Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. We took a week off, but we are back. Spotify Green Room, Fan Friday, Alex. What are we getting into in the oops, sorry. What are we getting into in this first episode of three? Uh, we got a bunch. A lot of great topics came up during this green room. Talk about uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin's experience with Team USA. That was just sort of our our canned topic to open with. Uh, and uh, you know, talk about the quotes that have been coming out from them and, you know, the, the work they've been putting in with some of the best players in the country. Uh, we talk about if the, the Knicks are looking for the next available savior, or if they're building sort of a consistent system, you know, development system to make their own stars on the team, or if there's sort of a balance between the two. Uh, we talk about if trading Julius Randall would be on the table for, for any of the high picks specifically, it was clarified for Cade Cunningham, but then it sort of turned into a debate of like, well, what would be your tipping point? Um, and we talk about if there's any chance of Frank Nilakina coming back to the Knicks, which I think we've gone over before, but it can't can't hurt to go over it one or two more times before free agency hits. So all that's coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starks with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. Our Locked on Knicks, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join Alex and I next week, Thursday at 5.30 to get in on the action. I'm Gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the greatest Knicks website out there, The Strickland. If you're not already checking it out, please do. Lots of great content, including um, Benji Ridholtz, who we actually had on the podcast this week, uh, talking about Obi topping uh but without further ado let's get into it fan friday starts right now yo hey what's up man not much making my return locked on Nick's yeah how was your how's your trip we, we haven't gotten to talk yet it was nice uh yeah so for anyone in the room i went up to the Catskills for a couple days and uh Went with my little sister because it was, I got her a little trip up there for graduation. So just for something fun to do. So we went and hiked, uh, sort of around Catterskill Falls. We didn't actually go down all the way down to the bottom because we just weren't feeling it. It was a little crowded down there, but went and looked at some of the like scenic overlooks and stuff. It was very pretty. It was nice. And we saw like the, we saw the falls like from up top or whatever. It was cool. It was a good time. Sweet. Good deal. All right. For, for everyone uh, listening in podcast form, welcome in. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. He's Alex Wolf. And yeah, we, 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 got, a, we got a lot to talk about, Alex. Um, you want to, um, we, do, we do have a, or at least I, I thought it looked like we had a speaker request for a second. And, and there's, there, there's no one up right now, guys, if anyone wants to come up and talk but 
I was thinking we could we could get into something we haven't really had a chance to cover yet. The news actually broke right before our green room last week, but the fact that Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin are on the select team. Um, I saw some quotes from uh, the to clarify the uh, USA Basketball select team that gets to scrimmage against the main team going to the Olympics. Uh, there's a pretty extended history of those guys uh, on that team turning into some great players, and uh, it's, it's exciting that they both made it. And I saw some quotes come out today. IQ was talking about how KD invited him to work out. So that can only be good uh, unless he gets recruited to the Nets. Um, but uh, that'll take a couple of years anyways. And then uh, Obi Toppin had a quote uh, saying that next year will be completely different from his rookie season. Presumably, he expects to be much more consistent. Alex, I don't, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I wonder if any, like sometimes they televise those scrimmages on NBA TV. That would be really cool. I'm just excited to hear what comes out of this, how they're looking, um, because a lot of times you'll, you'll, you'll get like quotes every once in a while from one of the star players on the main team. If someone like quickly starts really flashing or OB is a crazy duck and, and you'll just hear like, you know, that guy's, that guy's going to be really good down the road. I remember we, we got it with Devin Booker a couple of years back and I, I could see that happening with, with either of these two. Yeah. The only problem with quickly is apparently he's getting sent home now. Oh, yeah. Um, that like that. just broke right before, right before we started doing this. Uh, Berman had it and, uh, someone else, I think, uh, apparently quickly got entered into the COVID protocol despite the fact that he is vaccinated for sure. So maybe, maybe he just had a contact tracing incident or something. Um, but quickly apparently is having to go home. So that's a shame. But that said, yeah, I mean, it is exciting that they're both on the team. Um, I mean, I, I I felt pretty encouraged by some of the quotes. You know, I mean, I think it's just good for them to get as many reps as possible. I think that this this off season is going to be really, really important for them as far as development's concerned because they didn't really get a real off season last year. So going into this coming season, it's going to kind of be like the the first time that we're going to see them with real, you know, a, a real off season training program where they're going to get to. I mean, Obi was talking about they literally they got done with the season after the playoffs and then hopped right into the you know training facility again and started getting ready for next year after like all of about three days off after the season was ended. And, uh, you know, so they're getting to use the training facility all summer. They're doing the USA select team. Both those guys should presumably be on the summer league team at the beginning of next month. Um, so I, I think it's going to work out pretty good for for both those guys. Um as far as their uh, future prospects, you know, as far as getting better, I mean, we, we could potentially see really big sophomore leaps from the two of them with all this various stuff that they're getting to do over the over the summer here um, between the select team, summer league, and actually having like a real training facility again. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, about it's, it. it's exciting stuff. I actually, you know, what's crazy is I didn't even think of quickly playing summer league, but I, I guess I guess in all likelihood he will. I, I mean, RJ presumably would have done it last year if not for COVID. So yeah, that's that that's going to be interesting. I could see him being. I, I'd have to go through all the rosters, but he, he could certainly be amongst the favorites to lead summer league in scoring. All right, guys, it's about that time. Let's take our first break and remind you that this episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is absolutely free to download. 
And once you're in, you can talk with me, Alex, other fans, athletes, and insiders. Wow, we're all four of those things. We're ourselves, we're fans, we're athletes, we're insiders. In real time, about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Knicks once a week. So yes, you, that's right, you, can finally join in on the conversation you listen to on here every single day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join convos about the league. You'll find fans just like you for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with Alex and I, and you might even, there's no might about it, you will be featured on Locked On Knicks through our Green Room conversation. So go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. You can follow me at David-Shaw to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning, along with Alex, to be live next week, Thursday at 5.30. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Knicks, so we'll see you there. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. As we come back today on the road to the finals, our NBA's playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And with that, we actually have our first speaker request. It is Chris Hunt. Hunt. Chris, Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, Chris, I forgot. Have have you come up before? Is this your first time? I did call before. I didn't have my AirPods before. (laughs) Oh, sure, sure, sure. So this, this is a game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can actually hear you guys. You can hear me. <clears throat> well, you guys were talking about Ovi, and I was just thinking, I'm like, um, I think he was actually kind of afraid to play with or play for Tibbs this past season. He looked like he was a little scared to make any mistakes. So I know there's a lot of rush to judgments uh, for him, but... I really think we just got to be patient with some of these guys. Um, We're always looking out for the next star. I think we're a little thirsty looking at other guys' girlfriends. (laughs) It's like these guys uh, are with other teams. We should really be kind of focusing on building our own stars. Like, And I think that's where OB... um, where Barrett, uh, where quickly steps in. How do you guys feel like, do you feel like the Knicks are actually just looking for the next star to come in and save us? Or do you think they're going to be looking at ways to actually build a system for the future? Um, I think, I mean, I, I, I think that there's a little bit of both, you know, I think it's kind of this juggling act that the Knicks have to go through right now. Um, you know, if you think about it, like they sort of, they were drafting like last year and, and the years prior kind of with the eye on the future, but then suddenly now you're a good team. I mean, you are a team that finished, I, I, I struggle to call it a fluke. I mean, I don't know that it was a fluke, but clearly, I mean, they, they were not the fourth best team in the East this year. That was probably the Hawks. Um, whether they were as good as the heat or better than the heat, you know, that's debatable. Um, but you know, you could, you could argue the Knicks were probably the fifth or sixth best team in the East this year, uh, by and large. And so if you look at it from that perspective, you know, now you have to kind of be thinking about moving forward as well. You know, are you, how are you going to prioritize these things? How do you keep getting these guys the reps that they need while you're also, um, you know, 
trying to win basketball games too. And in the case of Obi, it did. Yeah, I think, I think you're right in the sense that it did result in him having to sort of play for his life at times, you know, where he was uh, trying to avoid being benched uh, via screw-ups and whatever. But he did really start to put it together towards the end of the year. I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how things work out, you know, as far as the the draft this year too and how the Knicks prioritize things. Cause I, I really am of the belief that I don't think that they're going to make all three of those draft picks at 19, 21 and 32. I think they're going to look to either move up or trade those picks for some form of, of established player because of that balance of like winning versus, you know, trying to develop young players. So I, I don't know if there's like a perfect answer to it. I think that they will keep prioritizing getting guys like Obi minutes. Um, but you know, not at the expense of winning, which we saw this year. Um, but Gavin, I'm curious if you have any different thoughts on that. I mean, I, I, I think that they're going to, you know, they're not going to stunt Obi or anything in any way. And hopefully with this, this off season of like a real off season where he can actually get a real training program in and everything, uh, it'll, create a little bit better of an environment for him, like starting from day one of his second season. Yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement. I mean, I, I think the, the bigger issue with Obi and, and if anyone missed it, we I literally did a whole podcast on him uh, yesterday with Benji Ritholtz talking about this, but he, he was just, he was tactically misused. And I, I think to your point, Chris, that nervousness came from him going from playing in the Atlantic 10 to the NBA for an extremely demanding coach and then without much of an offseason and then being asked to do things that he didn't really do much in college, which were, all right, go um, on the wing and go try and beat someone off the dribble. We, we saw I couldn't really do that. Uh, go try and, and bully them at a post up just because of the way his body structured, even though he's the big upper body is that like kind of spindly lower body. He, he couldn't he couldn't really push around anyone. Right. Like he, he would he'd get stood up again and again and again. And and in, in the pick and roll, Benji threw out the stat yesterday that stunned me. Um, he popped 81% of the time and rolled 19% of the time. That was less than Chris Stapp's Porzingis. It was comparable to Marcus Gasol, who is not running to the rim and getting dunks. With Obi, that was, that was sort of the whole appeal of him in the draft was that he could come in and from day one be one of the best rim runners in the NBA. And, and when you fundamentally misuse someone like that, and then there's that big adjustment. In retrospect, I, I regret not giving him a little bit more leeway, though part of my argument was that the, the thing, if you're going to take him at eight, you needed someone who could do a bit more stuff. And I never really blamed Obi for his struggles. It was just sort of like, we know who this guy is. You have to use him in this very specific fashion. And the Knicks didn't do that. And you give Obi credit and, and you give Tibbs a little bit of credit because they kind of met in the middle where, where they, where, where Tibbs started pushing the pace a bit more as the season went on that gave Obi opportunities to run in transition. And a lot of times, even if that didn't result in dunks for him, it did result in opportunities um, that he created for other people by drawing an extra defender who had to kind of catch up with him and, and letting someone have a lane uh, on a secondary break. So I, I think as the year went along, we saw him get increasingly comfortable. And I think that was partially a product of Tibbs and partially a product of Obi expanding his game. And that's why this offseason is going to be so fascinating with him. But I, I guess to get to your bigger question, whether the Knicks should focus on, on landing a star or, or developing their own talent, obviously that it, it's, it's not an absolute answer, right? You're saying like, well, like what, what, what's the specific scenario you're talking about? 
Well, like, I just like, think yeah. I think mostly like like you look at the Warriors model when you know they were really rolling, and I think we have some of the guys that can actually run a system that's you know not exactly it's it's not going to be as good as that, but we have guys that can play fast. And New York for so long has been, you know, just kind of grinded out half court sludge. And it's like you finally got guys that can execute quickly, like really fast. Knox doesn't need a lot of time to hit his three. Uh, OB is great at passing. He can just, you know, pop it. He can hit a three. Barrett, I would give Barrett the ball more. I think Barrett should be averaging 25 eight and six. Like, so I think we have guys that can execute. So I was just, I was a little worried when I started hearing the Dame rumors <laughs> and they're just like, Oh, let's just give up quick and Barrett and blah, blah, blah. And two picks for Dame. And I'm just like, do you even know how you want to use Dame <laughs> If he did come like, don't get me wrong. I think he's, he'd be beautiful in New York, but I don't think at the point of sacrificing everything, all those first round draft picks that we got, um, that we spend on players and, you know, all the capital that we have, I think you really have to use it wisely. Um, and I mean, moving up in the draft, this draft, that's what I would really try to do. Even if it went, you know, packaging Randall to move up, I might do that. I, I, I feel like, as good as Randall is for us and how he can carry us to another uh, playoff. I think he's so like the team goes as he goes. So if he's having a bad stretch or he's not really feeling it, the team will feed off that. And I kind of felt like you just need to have a system that doesn't rely on someone's personality. You know what I mean? Sort of, but so I guess my counter to that would be, I mean, if you think, if you think that RJ is a potential 25, 8, and 6 guy, I mean, that's almost literally what Randall was this year. Um, and so, I mean, if you're, you're, I mean, that, that's 25, 8, and 6. That's, that's an all NBA player. Um, well, that's think, well, think about it. He's 20, is he 21 yet? Yeah, he just turned. So he just turned 21. He was averaging 21 points. I mean, not averaging. He was, he was in the 19 to 20 something range and he wasn't really, you know, playing his best. So you figure he's that young. He's getting 19 to 20 points a game already. He's a rebounder. I think Randall took a lot of his rebounds as well. Well, so I think you've seen him in Canada in the Canada game. He, he can dish. So. Yeah, I think my big so I think my big issue with the whole potentially trading Randall to move up thing, right, is <clears throat> let's say uh, so I, I would gonna, do it for Kate. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you could do that. I mean, I don't think that I don't think Detroit's given that pick up for anything. So I think that could be ruled out. I think the only realistic opportunities you could potentially see for yourself would be like um, you could maybe. I don't think Houston would do it, so that's I would rule them out because I just don't think that they're in that sort of mindset where they want another Randall type player um, and want to like push to compete again 
anytime super soon. I think they, they're sort of in a rebuild right now. And also their owner doesn't want to pay a lot of money and have the pressures of winning on him for a little bit. Um, so I, I think they're going to hold their pick. That puts you at like Cleveland, maybe. I, I think that's probably the earliest possible spot where you could get a team that would maybe start entertaining trading their pick for Randall. And so at that point, you're looking at probably Kate off the board and I, I would guess Mobley. I, you know, you can't know for certain with Houston. Um, but it seems like Mobley is probably going to be their guy there. So let's just assume then you're, you're put in a position where you're trying to choose between Jalen Green and, uh, Jalen Suggs. I mean, I, I think they're both fantastic prospects. I think there's a good chance that either of them could become an all-star caliber player, but I just don't think that you take, you know, having a Randall in hand and underpaid, no less. I mean, he's, He's making only $20 million this next year again. Um, you know, it's the last year of his contract, so you're going to have to pay him next summer. But, I mean, it, he still gives you a good amount of flexibility this offseason and then going into, you know, next year, going towards the trade deadline and all that to try to make some deals happen and potentially surround him with better players. Um, I, I don't really think. Well, let me, I, let I, me be clear. I would not yeah. trade Randall for anybody but Cade. Yeah. And it would, I would, I would do Randall and two to three first round picks. Four. Yeah. I would do that. That's it. I just don't think Detroit's going to do it. I, I think, I think you pretty much have to go under the assumption of if you're talking, like, I would probably do that too. I would trade Randall for Kate Cunningham because I think that he's, you know, a potential, like people were comparing him to like Luka Doncic and stuff. And it's like, all right. I mean, yeah, obviously that's a guy that you would trade Randall for all day just because of the age and the contract and everything else. Um, but that's exactly the reason why I, I think, I don't think Detroit, even if you offered them like, Hey, we'll give you Randall plus both picks this year. Plus like, I don't know, our pick and Dallas's pick in 2023 and maybe even a conditional future first or something. They'd still probably be like, nah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't think they'd be better off. I, I guess it, well, so here's the other thing is that Jeremy Grant, and Randall basically play the same position. I mean, I know that they played Grant at the three a lot this year because of the fact that they signed so many fours and fives uh, in Detroit. But I think ideally you would want Grant to play like a really stretchy four. So do you want to then acquire Randall and have, I mean, I, w- I guess I wouldn't call it a log jam, but it would be sort of the same general idea as like when the Knicks had, Marcus Morris and Randall, you know, in the sense of Marcus Morris, you know, yeah, he can play the three, but ideally you want him to play the four and you wouldn't want Randall blocking him there. So do they consider that an ideal fit to where they'd be willing to give up on Cade? Who's like an ideal fit for anybody everywhere. I I don't, I don't know that they would, you know, even if they got all that extra draft capital for it, it's like, the reason you get draft capital is to get the opportunity to draft a player like Cade Cunningham. So why are you why are you giving up the guarantee for for the mystery box? You know what I mean? At least that's how I would look at it from their perspective. It's like they've made it. This is like this is what you this is what you tank for. You know, this is what you get all these draft picks for is to eventually get the Cade Cunningham, and they managed to get him. So I don't know. That's how I look at it, at least. Yeah, I didn't know Grant was playing the four for them. But I do feel like Nick's first round picks are worth their weight in gold. So <laughs> I wouldn't discount that. 
I mean, that's the other thing, though, is, you know, if you replace Randall with Cade, and and then you're not adding any more talent, but, I mean, if we just saw that Randall could lead this team to the playoffs this past year with Tibbs as coach, what's to say that that those picks would still be worth their weight in gold anymore? Because, like, this year's Knicks pick is the 19th pick, you know? I mean, it, and that's only because they, because they won you know, a, a tiebreaker between them and Atlanta, they could have had two picks that were in the twenties this year um, sure. between theirs and Dallas's. So, I mean, nothing's guaranteed. I don't think a Knicks pick anymore is looked at like, like a surefire lottery pick now after this year, because I think, I think even if you swapped Cade for Randall and Cade had some struggles or whatever, I think we saw based off how tips coaches and everything this year, that the Knicks, Unless they have a really serious downgrade in talent, are not going to be a candidate to be missing the playoffs anytime soon. I don't think, particularly if they're going to keep doing the play-in format. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I guess we'll see as far as that's concerned. But I mean, we won't see with the Kate thing because that's not going to happen. But uh, it would it would be an interesting it would be an interesting thing to be able to like play out an alternate reality and just see how that would all work out. All right, uh, Chris. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it out for Rose. Yeah, I, I was gonna. Uh, <laughs> yeah, say, Chris, you got you got any final thoughts before we send you down? Nope, that's everything, guys. Appreciate it. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, man. All right, we're gonna take our second break. Just a reminder: this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, and let me tell you, there is a fantastic limited time flavor up for Built Bar right now. Make sure you go get it. It is called Grasshopper Cookie. It does not have real grasshoppers in it. I can confirm. I've tried one of these guys, and it is basically Built Bar's answer to the classic Thin Mint cookie, and it's it's fantastic. It's got little crunchy bits in it of, like, cookie. It's uh, coated in 100% real chocolate, as all Built Bars are. has that really pleasant mint flavor mixed with a little chocolate. It is fantastic. Also has, as usual, a low, low amount of 150 calories and five grams of sugar to go with a whopping 17 grams of protein. It's only available this week, so make sure you get your Grasshopper Cookie Built Bars because, I mean, they are fantastic, and you probably want to be like me and stock up on, like, a whole box so you can enjoy them for a while until they come around again as a limited-time flavor. And if you want to get some other flavors too, definitely do that. You guys already know I would totally recommend putting coconut in your cart Get one of those. It's just like an Almond Joy or a Mounds Bar. Cookies and cream is fantastic as well. Salted caramel, mint brownie. There's so many great other flavors to choose from. And you really can't go wrong with any of them, especially when you're getting 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar. And they only have about 130 to 180 calories per bar on average. So definitely order today. Get the Grasshopper Cookie or you know, get raspberry or double chocolate or cookies and cream or whatever you like and go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. And this episode is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing and you can track all the action at betonline. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Definitely check it out for McGregor Poirier this weekend. 
before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams like the Mets or the Yankees maybe prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your welcome 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKED ON. Again, that's promo code LOCKED ON at betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and uh, we have, let's see, three speaker requests in order, Jeremy Todd, Brent Mashia, and David Almanor. So let's start off with Jeremy. Jeremy, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, I'll, I'll echo the thoughts of everyone in the comments. Great, great profile pic. Long time listener, first time caller, 54220. I'm just, uh, the Thibs the is, he's going to keep us, um, keep us in the playoffs. So our picks are going to be low at the end because we have talent with Randall and, and the young guys. So we'll be up there for a while. Luckily we have a good coach. So, but what I'm thinking about is the adding of the point guard this off season. Will that affect Nilakina going or pretty much that's it? I'm sorry. I don't want to take up too much oh, that's time. Cool. So. So, so you're wondering like what, what the fate of Frank is going to be this off season basically, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think so. My opinion based off how he was used this season by Tibbs, you know, when he was used, I should say, it's not like he got a ton of playing time. I think his days of being a point guard are pretty much over. Um, I don't, so I guess as it pertains to the Knicks, I mean, I do think despite the fact that he really did get jerked around as far as playing time and all that, I think the Tibbs did like him. You know what I mean? The fact that, the fact that he did trust him to go out there and defend Trey Young at the end of both halves in game one of the playoffs, I mean, that's not nothing. Like, I mean, he literally threw Frank out there for better or worse. I mean, you know, Trey wound up getting the layup and winning the game, but for better or worse, he, he threw Frank in cold at the end of the first game of the playoffs to guard Trey Young on the most important possession of the game. So I don't know if Tibbs maybe just thinks that, you know, maybe part of why he didn't get more playing time was that Tibbs kind of thought, you know, oh, Frank needs more more seasoning still, you know, needs more time under me, under Johnny Bryant, under all these, you know, good development coaches that we've hired to sort of continue honing his game. But like, I think Tibbs did like him to a degree. Um, now whether there was, I still don't know what the whole issue was with, uh, with, uh, uh, Alfred Payton and why Alfred Payton got so much play time and, and why he would continue to be given the leash to start even once the playoffs came and everything else. But I mean, it was definitely a world I could have envisioned where Frank could have been starting in Alf's place and doing somewhat well this year. Um, but now he wouldn't have been, he would have been a quote unquote point guard in that situation. But, you know, presumably Randall and, uh, uh, RJ would have been doing more of the ball handling in that scenario. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know what to think about his future because I've, I've said this before, but I think that if Frank is okay with being an off guard at this point, 
and the Knicks reach a point where, you know, they're in deep in free agency. They're kind of getting down to their last few roster spots. If Frank hasn't accepted an, you know, an offer from somewhere else at that point, I think the Knicks might go back to him because on top of everything else, he and RJ Barrett are really good friends. Um, I think Frank, Against all odds, I mean, unless he's really just, he's just been so polite and paying lip service to the whole thing, you know, I think that he actually does enjoy this team and has enjoyed being part of the Knicks and, and just probably like all of us, which is that he would get more playing time and more chances. But, you know, I think that, I think there's an okay chance that he might end up back with the Knicks. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like a high chance, but he might come back on like, slightly more than a minimum contract or something. Maybe the Knicks sign him with like an exception or something like that. And I, I really think, I mean, I we'll see if the Knicks feel this way. Um, but like if the, if they can see things sort of how we do, um, then they, they're going to like presumably look at him as an option for like a cheaper Burks or Bullock replacement. That's how I would look at him. You know, if Bullock or Burks gets a big offer from somewhere around the league and you say, damn, I don't want to pay them like three years, $30 million or whatever. Then maybe you look at Frank and say, all right, Frank, well, now's your time. You know, it's going to be put up or shut up time, but like, we'll sign you to like sort of a prove it deal. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to see play out. I really hope he comes back and I really hope he finally gets that chance because it, I mean, I, I went over the stat when we did our, our player review of him. He shot like 68% from the corners this year. And I mean, it wasn't on like 0.5 attempts per game or anything. He, he did it on a couple attempts per game, uh, when he was actually getting minutes and shot like 45% or 46, 47, maybe even like 40. I forget. Like, somewhere between 45 and 50% overall from three for the season. And again, not on like no attempts. He was basically only shooting threes when he was in as far as his field goal attempts are concerned. So if you can have a guy that's like, I think he could really turn into in his ideal form, like a better ball handling Reggie Bullock. And if he can do that, I mean, we just saw against Atlanta, you know, part of what really killed them was the fact that, you know, Trey Young could bottle up Reggie Bullock because Reggie Bullock can't dribble more than like three feet without, you know, stumbling, you know, and, and having to pick up his dribble and whatever, because he's just not a good ball handler. You get a guy that can essentially do everything Reggie Bullock does arguably with better defense and more switchability and can also handle the ball some. I think that's a really valuable archetype in the NBA. If you can put in the patience to just like finally unlock Frank and that like that nebulous confidence that we're always looking for in him. Yeah, I feel that he's he'll be really good playing against an elite guard that can play mate. And and one more thing and I'll hang up. Um, the idea of I heard online, I don't know if it's just speculation, but Jalen Brunson, um, they are the Dallas are struggling with with playmaking and Jalen Brunson is not a playmaker. So all he does is just drive in and that's pretty much it. That's all he can do. He can't pass and playmake very well, create a shot, but he can just drive in really good. So I don't see him as a 
an ideal for us, but you know, it's just, um, I heard it and I was just wondering if there's any relevance to that. Well, he's not, uh, unless I'm mistaken, Alex, he's not a free agent this year, next, but next year, but I, I, I have heard the, the same things as you, Jeremy, that, uh, there, there is some level of interest there. Um, and that could be an option that the Knicks pursue next offseason. I, I do think we saw some of his limitations in the Clippers series because throughout the regular season, there were certainly stretches where he was the Mavericks second best player. And I, I think it was pretty clear cut. Like he, he was a legitimate candidate for six man of the year. Um, great organizer at the point guard spot. And I think someone who, if, if you're, if you're like me and you think Emmanuel quickly is the point guard of the future. Um, I think he would be sort of the perfect change of pace guy off the bench is someone who is not that explosive, deep, deep, deep shooter, but has the mid range game, has a lot of craft, like kind of your kind of like your traditional point guard, like your extremely, extremely diluted version of Chris Paul. And I, I think in that sense, he would have some utility on the Knicks as a backup. Um, he might he might want to go somewhere that he can start and he can have the majority of the ball handling responsibilities and get a big contract, which would probably be a team that is a little bit further back in terms of their timeline than the Knicks are in a season. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up in New York. And, and just to circle back, I'll quickly say on Frank, I'm, I'm a little bit more dubious than Alex that he comes back. I know, Alex, you weren't saying that it's necessarily likely. I, I think it's a real long shot. I, I think he I mean, he's. He knows that he's been screwed around by this franchise for his, essentially his entire career. And I just don't see why that would change next year and why they would give him a real role. And I, I just think there's, there's going to be a team around the NBA, whether it's the Spurs or if it's the one I always reference, the Warriors, that will see his utility, especially on a team like Golden State that has a, a, an abundance of offensive talent to take all the pressure in the world off of him in abundance of shooting. Um, I, I think they'll see the utility he would bring in a playoff series as a genuinely great defender because he's, I mean, he's the kind of guy, like I'm watching this Suns Bucks series. If he was on either roster, I kind of think like maybe, maybe the Suns are a little bit more of a long shot given how well campaign is playing and how many wings they have. But uh, I don't know, like he, they, I, I'd consider him maybe a slight upgrade on someone like Torrey Craig and for the Bucks, he would, he would certainly play a role on that team. Um, I, I just think he's a guy that could play in big games for good teams and someone is going to give him like more than the bare minimum to go do that. I don't know why he would come back to New York for, for them saying, ah, you know, if everyone gets hurt, maybe, maybe we'll give you a role. And if, and if, if even if you play well, um, that, that doesn't necessarily guarantee anything going forward. And granted, I, I've said it a bunch of times that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of repeating myself from past Frank conversations, but some of it was on him this year, right? Because he, he, regressed in terms of getting to the rim and, and there are still moments like where his confidence is a little bit lacking and maybe I underrate that a little bit in the conversation about him but ultimately I, I do think he's a guy that could play on a very very good team and I imagine there, there is a team around the NBA that will recognize that and value that more than the Knicks currently uh, but Jeremy any any final thoughts no the idea that if they wanted Jalen they could I think Milikina would be a good piece to trade for him because if they did get him, because he'd be really good to get with Luca, Frank would. So, and that's something they really needed as def- defender, and they didn't have anything. So, if we need just a score, because we don't, I don't know what we're going to do in point guard position. So, he would be really good, like you said, like a 
just a score off the bench, a good score. That's what he is. He can score, but you know, that's he's not <laughs> he's not a ball handler. You know, he can't pass really well. So um I watch a lot of Mavs too, so Oh, gotcha. Um, so I, I watch a lot of Brunson. So I mean, I like him. He's really good. It just, you know, he's a, you know, he's a good role player and, you know, he's not a starter. I mean, he's, he's a really good role player, but he's not a starter. So, but I like, that's it. I think I've talked enough. No, that was, that was great, Jeremy. Uh, please, please come back and, and talk again. You, you're bringing a little diversity to the, to the show. This is the first time we've had someone, uh, with, with a non, uh, New York accent. So, uh, appreciate it, man. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, and that's it for this first part of our Green Room Chat this week. So in our next episode, we're going to be talking about some other fun topics. We talk about whether the Knicks need to diversify the offense more next year and whether that's the onus of that falls more on Tibbs or more on Julius Randle or maybe just a little bit of both. So we kind of talk about how that could be solved. And then we talk about the top five point guards that we want the Knicks to go after this offseason between free agency and the draft with the caveat that cost is a factor. So we take into account how much it would cost to get a guy like Damian Lillard versus a guy like Kyle Lowry and rank out our favorites. So all that's coming up on the second part of our Green Room episode.